0: Good morning. My name is Jason Horton. I am your facilities director here at the church. And uh, thank you, that's super super I'm, I'm really very honored to be standing here before you sharing God's word. And I even took a break from my normal Bob the Builder getup um, to just demonstrate the seriousness with which I approach this office, the pulpit. And I don't know how anyone could lightly undertake the task of handling God's word and relating the majesty and the love of God to his people, not just as revealed in his word, but as revealed in our lifetimes. The preacher Paul Washer prayed, God so consume my heart with Christ, That I might stand before your people, and in the word that I proclaim, they might have a greater vision of him. And in seeing Christ, it is enough. And he continued, but then again, that's the pain of preaching. Why would a man ever take it upon himself to enter a profession where every time he opens his mouth, he fails? Christ is so great that the mind cannot comprehend him. As Spurgeon always lamented, whether you have the vocabulary of the greatest order, whether you have the lips of a seraph, it doesn't matter, all language fails. And so today we embark on something that will end in failure. And as I fail you, I hope that you will have a greater vision of the God who is gracious and compassionate It's full of steadfast love and everlasting faithfulness. The foundations of his throne are righteousness and truth. In fact, his name is faithful and true. I'm going to say it again for the people in the back. He's good. So, all right, let's jump in. So for the folks here uh, in the sanctuary, you'll see some words on the screen and the folks online, I think you'll get that as well. The scripture that I'm reading from today is the ESV, and you're welcome to follow along in in whatever version you like. I took some time to go through the different, even some paraphrases and translations, and there's nothing about this passage that is really uh, substantive in difference, Um, but we'll go ahead and read that. James, sorry, this is from James 1. We're doing verses 1 through 4 today. James, a servant of God, and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes in the dispersion. Greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, my sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now, initially, I, I wasn't going to talk about verse 1. It's a pretty standard New Testament type of greeting, but it occurred to me that I'd always overlooked that word, the dispersion. Who's in the dispersion? The Bible commentator John Gill pointed out that this letter is addressed to the Christian Jews who are scattered throughout the world, not necessarily the Christians that you see in Acts chapter 8. When uh, Stephen was martyred, uh, the, they got spread throughout the world and had to escape Jerusalem. Uh, This is talking about the Jews that were in their historical dispersions, the Babylonian dispersion, um, the Assyrian dispersion, and had never come home. They were the Jews who the gospel had just now reached by missionary work, and Gil includes this interesting cultural note. The Jews who were settled in Israel say that the 10 tribes will never come home, but it Um, they'll never return and because they had been left in their dispersion they have no part in the world to come but it was these Jews that the gospel met within their dispersion and by it they were effectually called and converted and so the remarkable context for this whole book is that he's writing to underdogs their own countrymen refused them and they insisted that because of their geography they had no share in the kingdom of God from their perspective They were spiritually homeless, so this gospel message wasn't just a practical teaching for them. It was home and their dispersion, and these were people who were very familiar with trial and difficulty. So verse 2, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Now, before we talk about trials of various kinds today, uh, I want to highlight joy that's found here as the joy that's available to us, in God's presence I've seen some people treat this as this like kind of uh, masochistic thing like we bang our thumb with a hammer it's like oh praise the Lord you know. Um, not that's not what we're talking about I think that statements like that lack intellectual integrity the joy that I'm referring to is not an external feeling or condition of happiness which would be really bizarre in a trial but a sense of security and a sense of hope for the future that we only find in God's presence. And I believe that what James is getting at here is that we have access to a proprietary type of joy that the world doesn't have, and we have it because of our position before God in trials. Now, we'll kind of qualify those trials. I was arriving at True North a couple weeks ago. i drink a water here. And I found myself right in the middle of a police foot pursuit. (laughs) I was actually on the phone with my mom and I said, I gotta go, I think I'm in danger. (laughs) And the detective later told me uh, that the officer who was involved had come upon uh, three young men who were breaking into a home, and when he had stopped to apprehend them, uh, one of those young men, while he was running away, shot at the police officer, and then that officer gave chase. Now... (laughs) I don't ever want to have any type of job that has me running in the same direction as someone who's shooting back at me, okay? Um, I just am so thankful for the men and women of law enforcement, for our first responders um, of all types who are out there uh, who are risking and giving their lives for our safety. And if we can, I'd like to just take a moment to honor those who are with us who have been uh, first responders, police officers, uh fire paramedic, can we say thank you to them? <laughs> thank you, thank you for your service. At any rate, one of uh, those young men who got away, they threw their hoodie off as they were running through the field that the we have over there at the ministry. And the detective came and they went through our security camera footage and they said they were gonna take the hoodie with them uh, for evidence. Well, it didn't, and when it came time to mow a week later, I decided that that hoodie was now mine. So, I'm gonna show you this, this is cool. Can you see what that says? Hard times, That's, that's right. Now, does it seem to you, like it seems to me, that some of the hard times that the young man wearing that hoodie is facing as he ran from the police were perhaps self-inflicted. Do you think that there's any possibility some of those hard times are avoidable? And I'm showing you the hoodie because I wanna demonstrate there's a difference between the hard times that come upon us uh, that we find ourselves in and the hard times that we make for ourselves. In fact, the scripture says, uh, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or even as a meddler, and I have to admit, sometimes sometimes I'm a meddler, okay? I'm I'm just right in the way. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but glorify God in that name. The commentator Matthew Henry describes this verse in James. He says, it is implied that troubles and afflictions may be the lot of the best Christians. Such as have title to the greatest joy may yet endure grievous afflictions. The trials of a good man are such as he does not create to himself, nor sinfully pull upon himself, but they are such as he is said to fall into. And I meet people very frequently who tell me about the problems in their life, especially within the context of I'm hoping you'll do something for me. And the oversimplified answer that I have to give is that if you play a foolish game, you're going to win a foolish prize. If you sow a stupid seed, you're going to get a stupid crop, okay? The Bible puts it more elegantly in Galatians 6, for the one who sows to his own flesh will reap from the flesh corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And so many of the painful outcomes that I've had in my own life and that I hear people suffering from are the symptoms of a soul sickness that only Jesus can heal. And if you today are finding yourself drowning in the tyranny of your own mistakes, then I hope that you'll just come grab an elder, grab me, come get a hold of someone. We would love to go through that with you. And we'd love to point you in the direction of Jesus. He can heal those poor choices. He does it all the time. But the trials that we're talking about today are those that come upon you unwarranted, unsolicited, unexpected. Verse 3, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Now, I want you to think about a trial that tested your faith. And some of us have larger pools Of trials to draw from than others but what what comes to your mind and I'll give you just a few seconds to think about that just whatever first comes to your mind Levi McAllister wrote a line in a poem he wrote about losing his dad to suicide He wrote, I've got a cornerstone that I call my own, but I stumble on it every day. And the one that makes me a home the builders rejected and threw away on some days I am tempted to follow suit and uproot my faith. The primary faith testing trial that comes to my mind in my own life is my mother's illness. And we've struggled with that trial for more than a decade now. And many of you have suffered alongside us. And it was 2009. The doctors um, had relayed to our family that she had three months to live. And just to think that if she would have killed the doctor right there, the judge would have given her 30 years. (laughs) (laughs) All right, with that lame joke, I want to wish my mom a happy birthday. (laughs) Happy birthday, (laughs) mom. That's great. Another year, my son's going to be as tall as her. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't boil down the last ten years of emotional roller coaster for us into the next few minutes. But I'm going to share a few stories from my life where God has spoken to me in trial and uh, has given me an assurance of His presence that He's here with us. And and these are just a, a couple of selections where he's just been faithful to me. The day that my mom got released from the hospital after her first cancer surgery, this has been early 2010, uh, my older brother came to pick us up from the homeschool co-op, and on our way home, we were in a car accident that totaled our van, it hospitalized my sister, my sister and mom just traded places, And it knocked all four of us kids out, except for my little brother, who was a professional van crash rider at this point. This was his third van accident in six months. And it was actually the only one where the van didn't roll over. And while we were waiting for my dad to come pick us up, I sat in the back of the police paddy wagon, and I uh, was with my older brother. And I remembered in my backpack, I had my quizzing book. Quizzers 3 and (laughs) 1. I opened it up, and I read from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from Christ. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. I want to take a moment to thank Andrea Zell for never kicking me off the quizzing team. (laughs) I was her least talented quizzer by far. Um, Thank you for not giving me the boot. It was later that same year, I would attempt suicide on two separate occasions. And in that moment, I had faith, but I didn't have the maturity for steadfastness. Church, the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Please, in the space you find yourself in, suffering and trial, let steadfastness have its full effect. On my 18th birthday, I was experiencing some pretty significant depression. And the seasonal birthday depression thing is is a result of poor choices in my own life, and it's another story for another time. That's the hard times I brought on myself. <laughs> my family refused to acknowledge it at all. They didn't, they didn't care if I didn't want to sell my, my birthday. So I was getting in my car to go to college that morning, and I found it filled with balloons, which was a really funny surprise until I realized what a tremendous driving hazard a tiny Honda Accord full of balloons is. It was the first time I rolled down the window, it was like, uh-oh. <laughs> it was terrible. So I finished that school day, and I went to work, and I had, I had just been fired from Splash Bay in Maumee, and I was lifeguarding at a country club in Mommy. And you're probably beginning to realize there's some pattern of me creating trouble for myself in life. And, but I, I really was, at this point, like, I really, I'm going to try, try to follow Christ. And I decided to give up listening to music that didn't help me honor God and wasn't honoring to God. And it was, re, it was really hard for me. There's some really super talented artists that I gave up because um, they were just unhelpful in that journey closer to God. And yet it was like a place of repose for me. Uh, and so I was sour about having to give up my favorite music. So I got off work. Um, I went down to Speedway, I legally bought my very first pack of cigars, I can't tell you how I knew which cigars were my favorite, but um, I went down to the river, and I sat there alone, and I called out to God, and I asked him, why why did I still feel so depressed, and so alone, and why didn't he help me out in exchange for my sacrifice, Was my best attempt at being whiny right there, I remember looking up at the stars across a gorgeous and still glassy mommy River and just asking God, where are you? When I got up to leave, I realized it was really dark and I was suddenly very afraid because I have the super intense fear of the woods at night when you don't have a flashlight or anything. So suddenly, like, my angry prayers were like, "Okay, we help you? <laughs> like, And so I, I ran as fast as I could back to my car down a dark trail, and I headed home. And on the way home, I was going down South Street uh, over by Highland Park, and um, I saw a group of people standing there, and I, I could tell that they had built some sort of uh, memorial and were having a vigil for someone who had died. And I could just sense God clearly telling me to stop for them. The answer was no. <laughs> you, know, you don't have to be super street smart to know better than to stop in the Highland Park neighborhood late at night, okay? You know, I wasn't gonna do it. And I so I I kept right on by and I could just hear the Lord again, go back. I kept driving. And it was like, you know, I'm not doing it, I'm not doing it, I'm not doing it. And I I could just sense the spirit come over me. Go, go back. And so I, I made a U-turn and this happens pretty frequently in my life. I don't usually obey the first time. And I mean, I'm embarrassed to admit that. I wish I could say as some sort of super saint that just when God said it, I did it and it was done. Um, but if you see me doing a U-turn, I'm probably either A, reluctantly obeying God or B, trusting my wife's Google Maps directions, which are not accurate. So either way, don't interfere. Don't get in the middle of it. I turned around and I had to turn around again so I could come up you know, behind the crowd when I got out, I didn't know what to say. And I, I don't think anybody even recognized that, that I was there and that I had come up. Um, and then I remembered that there were balloons in my car. And so I uh, came up to the crowd and kind of sheepishly said, hey, uh, it's my birthday today. <laughs> and it's a weird way to lead at a funeral. <laughs> it's my birthday today and I, um, I have a bunch of balloons in my car and I was curious if you wanted them for your memorial. And they were super thankful and really excited, and so they helped me get all the balloons from my car, and we, we fixed them to the lamppost there. And I told them something when everything was done that I was not i was still having a hard time believing myself, but I told them, I, know, I just can't imagine what it's like for you to lose someone that you really love, and that pain will probably never like, really go away. But Jesus is real, and you can know Jesus, and he can heal you. And they were so thankful um, that I had stopped to share. And I I got in my car, and as I was driving away, it was just as as clear as could be, I heard God say to me, Jason, you wanted to know where I was. Where were you? Verse 4, let steadfastness have its full effect, that you might be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. When you're lacking nothing, you have something to share with someone else. You have something to give, and you, you have to endure the difficulty so that you have something to say on that day when you come across someone lost in a sea of hopelessness. God didn't want me to surrender my music so he could watch me be bored in my car. <laughs> he wanted me to be ready to hear his voice. Early in 2019, True North was experiencing some, some pretty major shifts. We moved from our home on Elm Street to our current ca- fantastic catastrophe <laughs> on Maple Street. And I was beginning to despair. And I was losing my team. I was losing vision for the product. I, I, I was losing hope and I began in that season struggling to find that desire to be alive and uh, I had a meeting with savannah martin over at the ministry And you guys know savannah from the pregnancy center. She looked me in the eyes and said jason God did not bring you here to kill you I'm still trying to get my head around the idea that God doesn't need me. He wants me. He wants you. I somehow failed to believe in my trials that God loves me, and he's treating me as a son. Your trials are making you more like Jesus. Don't waste a perfectly good suffering. Let steadfastness have its full effect. Mariah and I uh, began trying to have a child together maybe a year and a half or so after we got married. And after more than a year of difficulty uh, and lots of pressure from friends and family, uh, we were still seeing no improvement. And we got prayer from the elders. I can't remember how many times Pete Tipping sat up here with us and anointed us with oil and prayed for us. And we met with doctors, and we explored some options, and Mariah finally got pregnant, and then we lost the baby. I, I loaded the sanctuary with extra tissues today. And I, I don't know why. And there must there's a hundred stories in my life that they don't end up with some profound answer or a spiritual principle. Think about friends of mine that have died and relationships that have broken and just the difficulties that we experience in the human condition. That loss hurt a lot. And as we sort through that grief, we just found that you have to surrender your will to know the answer and just simply trust that God is good. Kirk quoted someone last week. They put it so concisely. When you can't see his hand, you can trust his heart. The loving proposition that our Father offers us is he never leaves never forsake proposition be strong and courageous do not be afraid or terrified because of them and for our purposes the trials apply for the lord your god goes with you he will never leave he will never forsake <laughs> Trisha Wilford is quoting saying the bible doesn't give us a reason for suffering it gives us a God who's over it and with us in it, even as we live in the age. The psalmist says in Psalm 66 For you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. You brought us into the net. You laid a crushing burden on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and we went through water. Yet you have brought us to a place of abundance. Come and hear. All of you who fear the Lord, I will tell you what he has done for my soul. I cried out to him with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened, but truly God has listened. He's intended the voice of my prayer. But blessed be my God. He has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. There's a little boy here named Arrow Ammonicai, Warner Horton. That's my son. Our time God gave us what our hearts long for. Everything our hearts long for except for sleep. He's <laughs> been good to us and there are times I wish that Pete was still here with us so we could see what God brought about for us. But I just know the joy that he's experiencing right now. Is unlike everything, anything we will ever experience on this temporal plane. Death is not the worst thing that will ever happen in your life. It's our entrance for the believer. It is entrance into reward, as it is written: No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor the heart of man you can imagine what God has prepared for those who love Him. And just a few verses later in your Bible, you'll see this. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life the Lord promised to those who love him. And doesn't the scripture say, don't throw away your confidence, which has a great reward for you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, then you will receive what is promised. And I don't know what heaven's gonna be like, but I know the one who lives there. And he's so good. He's the one who sealed you for the day of Christ. And even now, he sings over you. One of the greatest joys I have in this season of my life is singing Arrow to Sleep. I just worship as I hold him, and I see this image of the Father in Zephaniah 3, Fear not, O Zion, let not your hands grow weak, for the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness, he will quiet you by his love, he will exult over you with loud singing. And it's just on the authority of the word of God, that I would submit to you, that God is most powerfully present. We have the highest capacity to sense him when we're embedded in the suffering of humankind. And I want to encourage you, in your own study of the word, this, it would have taken me hours to get to this if we went through all the scriptures. In your own study of the word, look for the times that people suffer. Look for the times that God lifts up the lowly, that he restores people that he's present, and then go meet him. And there's this inevitability about trials. It's not if you meet trials of various kinds. It's when you meet trials of various kinds. And if you have to suffer either way, you might as well suffer for a reward. And I've got hours of stories to share with you. And if you want to hear a little more, um, I'll be sharing some at Dinner Church next week. July 11th, bring a friend um, to dinner church and come enjoy that with us. But for today, I want to create a space for the story that you're in right now. Remember earlier, I asked you to bring something to your mind, a time where there was suffering in your life. Have you spoken to God about that lately? Have you made the most of that trial, or is there this, this bitter root of resentment about the lot that has befallen you? Have you ever found a way to consider that trial all joy? We're gonna play uh, in a little bit here, after the benediction, we're gonna play some music through the house speakers, and if you just need to take some time even if it's just to acknowledge before God the trial that you're in right now, there's space for that. Um, if you have to confront God with your feelings, I can't believe I've never been hit. Flight, I'm just like he's just so he's so patient with us. If you just want to tell him that you're afraid to go through suffering and trial. This is that moment that I would invite you into it. Um, If you've never followed Jesus, you know, or maybe there's been some conversion experience in your life, but you feel like you're just in a funk right now and you wanna know how it's even possible to have joy, I've been there and I'm gonna give you the opportunity to connect with me, connect with Kirk, any any of our um, elders and people who will be available to pray with you, you can get connected with that. QR code, and you can ask for prayer. But if you don't know what to say, you can just simply ask, How can I I know Jesus? And any of us would love to answer that question for you. And for those of you who are headed back out into your various trials, I just want to remind you your suffering is not for you. Go. Go find the lost, go find the broken. Go, go in your brokenness. If God can use a total goofball like me, he can use a total corn nut like you. You know, he, he is present with you. And for the trials along the way, I will offer you a quote from Dan Smith. He says, I mean you no harm, but may the best disasters come to you. I offer you the benediction. It's from a Josh Carroll song called Benediction. And I've sung this over arrow on some nights, and I won't sing it to you because I want to be in my pen. <laughs> the words are, are on the slides. All things are made good for those who believe. May you grow from the seed to a strong and fruitful tree. And as the days unfold, hold your breath to see life is a mystery, and joy is it is severe when the way is rough and steep, but love will make your days complete. And may the work of your hands help those in need. A friend alone, serve the weak and forgive enemies. Joy, it is severe when the way is rough and steep, but love will make your days complete. God bless you. Go and steadfastness in Jesus' name.